spidey senses tingling. Ladies and gentlemen, the only person that could control you and troll you with just punctuation. Your host, Slim, the Papercake Podcast, episode 66. Welcome to the show, everybody. Papercake.com, check it out. Uh, we talk about industry news, uh, the books we're reading, and uh, we do a book club. This week's book club, Harvey P. Carr, Cleveland. Can you clap? And then we do your letters to close out the show. You send us an email, we'll read it. Yeah? We love it. We love it. We don't really love all of them, but we read them. The racist people and the awful people. We won't name any names. Uh, let's go around the room, you know? Thanks for tuning in. First time ever. You find us on What's Hot iTunes. Yeah? Humble brag. Uh, to my left, VP of Merch. He's a expectant father again. Congratulations. Oh, man. Can't stop drinking. Uh, Can't stop. He... He likes the web comics, you know? He likes to discover up-and-comers and spread the news. I do. I uh, do, at times. Dale underscore, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It is good to be back. Uh, you know, I suffered a little bit of a uh, sidetrack, and I couldn't be on last episode, but I did my best, and now I'm here again, and that's what matters. We said you were dead last show. Yeah, I, I meant to bring that up. You guys, you not care about human feelings? Uh, to his left. Okay. Uh, he's cooking up something huge in the world of comics. Huge. Probably an obituary for me. Unpublished writer. By choice. Unpublished by choice. <laughs> uh, Jonesy loves beer. Podcast guest host to the stars. He's available. Jonesy at papercake.com. Check it out. No, I just want to say thanks for having me back to uh, the old Papercake North. And uh, let's do it, as they say. Yeah, I mean. Is uh, that you have us confused with another podcast? Is oh, sorry. You know, I just so much of my Rolodex. My podcast Rolodex. Thanks for making the time to be on the show. <laughs> to his direct front, the... Uh, most popular black host in comics podcasting. You might be the only one. I like that. I'll take that. You're a trendsetter in terms of podcasting and being black. Is it because of my throwback 1990 Married with Children t-shirt on? No, ma'am. Mark Farrington, thanks for being here. Good to be back, guys. Good you're to be back. A, you're a TV star. Can you, can you confirm that you're a TV star right now? I am trying. The day it brings in a paycheck is the day I'll call me a star. Yes, hello, TV. Check you out. Word. What's your surname? Marcus Wayne? Marcus Wayne. Jeez. <laughs> uh, mean, some guys have all the luck. We we have a big, we have well, not a big deal, just a small gathering. It's a big deal. July 20th. Uh, we're all going to hang out together yeah. and have some beers. Everybody's invited. Uh, I will actually be there. What are you doing with your headset right now? It's all coming um, off. July 20th, the four, maybe the four of us will be there. Possibly. Uh, and uh, we're just going to have a hangout at Barcade in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a great time. We're just going to get together and chat it up, maybe play some Golden Axe. I intend to play Golden Axe. Well, Dale and I will be there. Absolutely. At least. At least. I have to so... be there. I'm, I'm hosting half the, uh, half the people coming there. It's gonna, that's why it's going to be such a huge disappointment when you don't show up. <laughs> I know. They're going to be looking for you. Uh, We're not going to know what to say. So, Barcade, stop by. It's going to be fun. No Sh- pressure. Super public invite. No pressure. Just come out. We're not sending official invites. Yeah. So, if you're expecting some kind of letterhead, then we'll never see you. Right. So, just don't or show up. And they, you're a loser. People do this via Facebook now, right? Facebook has We have a Facebook event, but none of us really use Facebook. So yeah, I, don't yeah. I don't have one, bro. I don't have a TV either. What's happening in the world of news, Dale underscore A? Oh man, it's good to be back in this news chair. I was uh, off that week, and I was—I was frankly, I was scared. 
I was scared for you. And at that point, um, Spider-Man had just opened. Best superhero movie ever and made. And we, now we have the facts and figures on the Spider-Man movie. They're in. The numbers are in over the wire. 140 mil. Good for him. It's good for him. It's, uh, you know, a little... Sure. Not mi- The studio's going to try to get a little bit more out of it. They got one more weekend to do it before Dark Knight comes out. Oh, gosh. It's uh, going to be tough, but... It's I game, st- game over for Spidey. Yeah, exactly. And I'm still going to have to go see this flick. The reviews are in. Everyone agrees the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made. That's not what I heard. Everyone has agreed officially. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard something different. Uh, Mark, for the record, I haven't seen it, but I agree. (laughs) I think I want to agree. (laughs) Uh, I did see it, so I'm the only one in the room that's seen it. And you called it the greatest superhero movie ever? Uh, Maybe a slip of the tongue. Greatest Spider-Man movie ever made. All right, right, I'll buy that. Uh, that. But everyone is mixed. You know that Jurassic Alien character on the Twitter? Oh, yeah. You know, the one that doesn't capitalize the M in Spider-Man? Oh, man. Like, Not a true fan. Like Brian Bendis does. Not a true and, fan. Then it's silliness. He uh, he said it was garbage. Really? Garbage. Wow. Yeah, well, that guy is inflammatory. He you is. I mean? he, He'll get you. What's the word? Uh, he's very contrarian. Yeah, contra- you know? contradictory. I say it's raining. He's going to say it's not. Yeah. com. Check him out. He's like the God male version of DC women kicking ass. <laughs> wow. That's some hate. <laughs> that is very contrarian. Just kidding. He uh, doesn't listen to So, yeah, go see private. Spidey. You go know? see it. Go see it. I tell you what you can't go see. Ready for this? New York's Mocha Comics Museum. Yeah. It's I've no been longer. there. I've been there. Did you no. shut it down? What? It's no longer. What happened to it? Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. The uh, The museum, Comics Museum... Uh, that was contributed uh, was a solely a comics museum. Uh, was on Broadway, five ninety four Broadway, shut down. No, yeah, it's for spe- why? Speculation is that uh, they were able to rent this space on the cheap because it was like a uh, an old contract, maybe. And it was something for a non. It's a non profit organization, so they were able to cut breaks. Speculation is that um, you just uh, they they raise the rent on these. Folks, so they're just trying to spread the word of comics. Exactly, it's what they're trying to do. Hassled by the man. So the uh, museum's website is uh, is telling people it's currently closed to the public. Apologize for any convenience. In the meantime, they're looking at other facilities to uh, open this thing back up. They have the big Mocha Fest every year. Mm -hmm. You you went? I did go one year. uh, So we hope to see the uh, Mocha uh, Museum up and running again soon, so I can actually get the get the trek and uh, make, make it up there. It's where the hip people go to Mocha. Yeah, that's, that's why I you know that's, about it. That's why I was there, and I, that's why I know about it. Mark, you ever been to Mocha? Never even heard of it. Hmm. Mm. Who's hip now? Oh boy, right. my friend. Inflammatory. <laughs> inflammatory. Remember that time I was teaching you the pronunciation of Wallin' Out? <laughs> yeah. Prior still, to the show start, <laughs> off air. You still haven't told me who Ursher is. George's still out <laughs> on that one. Was that was that it for the world of news for um, this episode? I mean, yeah. If you All want right, it to be. great segment. Move as on. always, you hate you him. are you uh, a connoisseur of the good life. How does it feel not drinking scotch right now? Be honest with me. It, Does it hurt you, you? What do you want me to say? He's a little. What do you want inside. me to say? It hurts. Let's get into the comic talk. Let's right get now. to the comic talk. <laughs> um, I want to shock the world right now. You're gonna go first. I'm gonna go first. <laughs> I read a comic that might melt your brain, literally through your ear holes. Can you get? Can anyone want? Anyone want to guess? It's an image book. No, Top Cow, Monkey no. Brain, Superman, Mm-mm. Double Barrel, Number You're, Two. No, That's Monkey not, Brain, Number One. All right, it's just enough. It's not fun anymore. It's over. Lookouts. Hmm. The Lookouts from the Penny Arcade Crew. Never you heard, heard about this? I did. Never I read. Heard of it. Quite good. Um, the Lookouts. You ever heard of this Penny, Penny Arcade gang? They do like a webcomic kind of deal. Oh, yeah. They do a convention. Two conventions. I'm not big on the R- not big on the RPG type games, so I'm not a big Penny Arcade guy. You know, I don't get the jokes all that much. They did this digital book called The Lookouts. Gorgeous. Is it? Gorgeous. I think it's like $1.99. Mm-hmm. Uh, follows these young younglings, these kids. You know, they're getting trained in this kind of fantasy land. Uh... And uh, something something's happening. They need to investigate. You know, the el- one of the elders thinks they're ready to go uh, to go investigate this creature. What's the creature, Gen Z? It is a griffin, sir, standing it, guard on a neighboring village. Uh, so this elder says, you know, these kids are ready. 
They need to answer the riddle of this griffin and find out what's happening and why he's guarding this area. And uh, just an amazingly drawn book. It reminds me of um, a lot of the Penny Arcade. It's like a mixture of the Penny Arcade webcomic art plus Chris Eliopoulos that does mm-hmm. uh, Cowboy. Cowboy. And it's absolutely gorgeous. I don't know how this is like. This guy that draw, it draws it reminds me of... Um, what's the... the uh, the artist that did that webcomic we did, Brubaker, uh, Jason Brubaker. What book does he do? Oh, Remind. Reminds me of Remind. Like that guy shouldn't be doing comics, and he has a job like at DreamWorks. Yeah. The, the art of this is like, how's this guy, you know, doing oh, comics wow. right now? Um, so it, I, th- I think it's great. Is the art by the one of the Penny Arcade guys, or did they get another artist? It's a different guy. It? I can't remember his okay. name. But, but the same writer that does Cowboy writes it, Ben McCool. Oh, okay. Um, oh, cool. But the problem, my big issue, like they did this letter at the end, like, hey, thanks for reading it. You know, we've been working on this for a year. Stay tuned for issue number two in September. And I'm yeah. like, what? September? Why not just push off your lookouts number one another month? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get it. Like, what the, what's, what's happening? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna forget about this book probably by the time this comes out, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I, uh, I definitely see your, your issue with that. It's, thank you. Yeah, it's true. I mean, why don't you pull a little robo action and uh yeah robo it up yeah i mean i understand it's been in work for a year so maybe they could have you know got some in the can first mark farrington you are a celebrity on the uh internet tv talk show so it could be the nicest thing you ever said to me Hmm. fingers he says it every week i'm waiting for the punch what uh will you be pulling out of the archives this week you know what i got this one from comiXology Mm, thanks to your savage dragon Sale over the weekend. Savage Dragon. What? Yeah. And promising people on our friend of the show podcast, dragonfan.net, they recommended an issue and I gave it a shot. Savage Dragon, issue number 143. Good jumping on point. The answer. It is a kind of a done in one story and it flawlessly leads into what I assume is the next big arc for the dragon. There's so much going into it and the only dragon that I have read was when we reviewed the book a couple episodes back. Right. So it is Dragon fighting with this blonde bombshell who is decked out in a, I don't even know, Star Spangled Banner outfit. Is it like a bikini? Something like that. It's kind of like a onesie type deal, like Wonder Woman. Mm. Anyway, she is furious because she is claiming to be Savage Dragon's uh, late wife. And Dragon is stunned for a minute. He just grasping at straws trying to figure out what happened and as she's talking it dawns on him that this isn't it so they fight he wins but she manages to somehow get in his head and he's left wondering is this my wife is this jennifer uh, there are a number of subplots going on one in which involves savage's child and a couple other kids trying to make it back to earth to reunite with their families and i'm not doing the recap justice because I'm 143 issues in. I don't know what's going on. Mm. It was leaps and bounds a hell of a lot better than what we read. Wow. A noticeable quality uptake, which I would hope so. It's Eric Larson. It's 142 issues after what we read, so glad that there's some improvement. Um, Don't have really much to say negative about it. There was a lot I didn't understand, but I'm jumping into the middle of the story. Right. But it passed the golden test of I want to come back and read more. Mm. I think that's a that's that says a ton about the book. I mean, if you did that and you're still willing to give it another shot, you know, to help you suck you in, that's great. We've all probably read so many comics that when we read an issue that we don't know much about, you either go one of two ways. It's oh, I wonder what happened, or mm-hmm. I'd like to see more of this character, or I couldn't care less. Can't wait to finish this. Did you get this issue recommendation from the? Uh, Craig at the Savage Fincast, or was this just an issue you just happened to pick up? I saw the sale, and then I shot him a line on Twitter saying, "Hey, how much did you guys drop in the Savage Pot or Savage Sale?" Yeah, he said, "I got all the issues." I said, "Well, if you pick one, I'll read it and talk about it." Oh, okay. So he recommended check out one forty three. It's a jumping on point. Hmm. Hear it here first. That's cool. So pick it up. It's not bad. Jonesy loves himself. What did you read this week? You. <laughs> He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. What? Dear God, I issue hate Issue one. Hmm. By your boy, Mark James Robinson, 
of Starman fame. I was going to talk about it. Philip Tan on art. Is that Your James boy. D. Robinson? It is. Same guy? It's the man. Okay. Himself. Uh, this issue, uh, I love it. Really? Now, if you watch the cartoon, you will know that you know, at Prince Adam is a whiny prince of a planet called Eternia who pulls out the magic sword and becomes He-Man. This totally reboots that concept. Adam is a woodsman, you know? Mm-hmm. His father is a little uh, little Alzheimer-y, whatever mm. the Eternian Alzheimer is. He's got it. Sure. Everyone has that. So, uh, you know, he goes ahead and says, I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to do the right thing. Has waking visions of himself as He-Man. Doesn't know what to make of him. So he has to kindly neighbor to take care of his father. And he strikes his way out into the world with his faithful falcon sidekick to go see, what's up? Why am I having these visions? What's my destiny? Beast Man attacks him out of nowhere in the forest. You know, Adam's just a regular Joe. He's weak. He can't handle it. You know, he's he kind of dodges, weaves. The bird helps him out. And he says, well, that was weird. <laughs> we, you know, i got to keep going. Last page, reveal the book. Skeletor knows Adam is, has a great destiny. He's sending his agents out to stop him. No way. His great. Asians or his agents? Uh, his Asian agents, if you could believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a great uh, reboot. Issue one. Uh, will wrap you in it and you know make you want more. Can you confirm or deny that the Jeff Johns like brought in a character that he created when he was nine years old? Did you anyone else hear that story? What's he that? did in the ninety nine cent issue that came out about two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Certain lasers a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a deep <laughs> name. It wasn't in this issue, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, it's his boy. Question: The when I read that, I took it like. We have jumped into the middle of the story because by the end of it, Skeletor said something to the effect of don't let him get past the woods. Almost as if he meant something happened to Adam and now he's kind of thinking, all right, I got to go. I'm missing something. I got to go reclaim this. Well, and they're just holding him back. I kind of had a thought uh, similarly, similarly that maybe this was like a mental trap that they have Adam in or he man in. And he's really being held somewhere else, and this is kind of like in his own mind. And so what he's seeing is Skeletor trying to keep him under the sorcery. But, you know, if they go ahead and reboot it, and this is legit, I don't think I'd be too upset by it. How B.A. was that fight between Adam and Beastman? I yeah. mean, Beastman was a gump in the cartoon. And plus, Adam <laughs> couldn't take a, you know, a stiff win, let alone a punch. Yep. So it was nice to kind of see him stand on his own two feet. It was good. Hmm. It was really good. Is this the ninety nine? Is this ninety nine cents? Is yeah. this a digital first? I believe it is. Yes. I suppose I should know that. Yeah. No, no, no. The issue zero was a ninety nine cent digital issue first. Was this two ninety nine? This was a full price two ninety nine. Yeah, okay. It okay. was two ninety nine. I just looked. Um, I want to hear from a very special person right now, in my heart of hearts. <laughs> he is the show family man, and he hasn't told us what he read this week yet. I have read The Infernal Man Thing, number one. Kevin Nolan. Kevin Nolan. What a great guy that guy is. I had a great interview with him on the, over on the Comicsologist. Really? And uh, he was a great guy. He talked about his craft, his uh, methods, he, uh, and he brought up The Infernal Man Thing with the late, great Steve Gerber. Mm. Uh, Steve Gerber, back in the 70s, did a... Uh, a prequel to this. This to put some context in this Infernal Man thing three issue arc was originally going to be a graphic novel that was scripted in the eighties, and it's been waiting to come out for this long. It's just the uh, the team behind it was just never assembled and it was never worked on. And um, this is a continuation of a story of the Infernal Man thing that Steve Gerber did in the seventies. With uh, John Buscema and Klaus Jansen. Oh God, what a th- that team literally just so- made me soil myself. I I want to seek this the previous series out because it just that team alone just sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of the book is a really nice letter from Ralph Macchio of uh, Marvel, not the Karate Kid, and uh, <laughs> bummer. 
and it's you know it's kind of a little uh, love letter to ha- to help you remind you what's who Steve Gerber was and what a great man he was and how these these guys that worked on this book and uh, knew Steve personally was just like the be- you know great guy and he passed away before this could come out um as far as the infernal man thing it i still don't know what it's about um this was most definitely something to come from the 70s i think um it was like the the man thing took his man thing and just porked my brains out with his <laughs> like i have no grasp of what what happened grasp there's this man thing i wanted it to be like swamp thing like yeah. marvel's version of swamp thing and it was like there's this swamp thing looking guy who's standing in a swamp and he seems like a real dunderhead like he's dumb and then an anvil drops on his head and like little cartoon clowns start dancing around his head and then cut to a, a guy who i assume is the one who he's like a screenwriter or he's trying to write a novel and i what i think i gather from this book is he wrote the man thing originally and you're seeing the man thing kind of like as a figment of this guy's visions but also along with this guy's vision he's he's driving like the mystery machine van similar like it's a, like a box van mm-hmm. and uh, there's this like shrub this piece of shrubbery that's talking to him on his whole drive a shrubbery and he stops at a diner and he sees like an old girlfriend and he's just like talking to himself the whole time about how he's driving back to the swamp to finish what he started to finish the screenplay hmm. like it's totally i feel like it's trippy yeah, it's very seventies-ish. Yeah, and I just feel like I sh- I missed everything about what this book. Didn't he say that the? I mean, he said it, or it is fact that the storyline that Steve Gerber like left on the title was the reporter that was covering Man Thing stopped writing about him, so that stopped the series. Like Man Thing met this per- this reporter that was writing about him, so it was like this weird Grant Morrison meets Animal Man thing. Okay. And that, like, the series ended because this reporter, like, changed beats or something. Okay, yeah. Something he wasn't like assigned that. to it anymore, so he must be going back to rekindle what he's forgotten or he stopped writing about. Yeah, this book must be really just for people that read Man-Thing. It's I mean, like an ode or, like, a love letter, just that it's finally out for those people. It's a complete love letter to that because I have no idea what's happening in this mm. book. And it's, it's I really wanted to. I mean, and... And to hear Kevin Nolan about talk about how he painted each and every one of these pages like full, huge size, like he, they, they're they're beautiful pages and they were painted and they're, it's just a really beautiful art style. But I just can't, I just can't recommend this book if you know nothing hmm. about Man Thing. You have to do your homework or you have to have read the first Man Thing to uh, read it because there's really. But the pro- like the problem is there's two is- there's only two issues left so I feel like I I want to buy the to. other two you have yeah to just ju- I do. just stay on so support Steve Gerber support don't Steve. be that guy that exactly support him. and the and the great Kevin Nolan who was amazing and I'm definitely his name is on my his number name is on my radar now and I'm gonna keep an eye out for him but as for man's things in my look at Jonesy he's like falling asleep listening to you he is I'm sorry. Poor guy. No, I want to know where that last conversation was going. I was going somewhere sexual. <laughs> sexual? Uh, lightning round. Two sentences or less of a book you read uh, this week. I'll go uh, first. Legends of the Dark Knight 5. Ben Temple Smith continues to be my most favorite Digital first. Yet. Okay. Okay. The end. That's it. That's it. One sentence. Period. Wolverine number three ten. Jeff Loeb, Simon Bianchi. Picking up where they left off five years ago, explaining the return of Sabretooth. Rarely have I read a Wolverine solo title that I enjoyed. And this book, I did not enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Action Comics, issue 11. Super nasally. Want to read a story where Clark Kent commits suicide, becomes a firefighter? I know I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Once again, 
another new 52 book where the backup story is better than the main issue. Mm. Gears of War, number 24. The series finale, part of a six-issue arc that leads up to Gears of War 3. A pity they let this series end on such a whimper when it roared in its heyday. Cleveland. Written by the great Harvey Picar. Jonesy, why don't you uh, take a trip down Synopsis Lane? Oh, and I will, and I could <laughs> ramble on and on. <laughs> and let us know what this book is about. Uh, this book is a autobiographical uh, first-person tale of Harvey Picar himself. Uh, the first act of the graphic novel is to tell you about Cleveland, his hometown, all the way back from the original purchase of the land, original settlers, how certain parts of uh, Cleveland and got their name and, you know, what Indian tribes were settled there. And then Act 2 is the story of young Harvey, you know, his uh, his first and second marriage, uh, his work as a um, in the mailroom. You know, his first job, his kind of job that he had very young and kept through life and kind of kept him in his own financial situation. Then Act 3 is all about things he realizes in the twilight of his life and finding true love and accepting his place in the comic world. And then kind of ends on this note of Cleveland will always be the way it is. And this is what I think Cleveland's issues are. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know if the synopsis can get more in, in depth than that because it's the theme of the book is so simple and, and so beautifully done. Um, I can't believe this is the first time I ever read Harvey Picard. Now I want to go and read all of his stuff. Amazing. Is this the first time we've all read Harvey Picard? It definitely is for me. It is for me. Yeah. I think Jonesy's right about, uh, you know, this is. The historical, I, I just liked how he just wrote about the history of Cleveland in a graphic novel format, and it was interesting to me. And, uh, you know, the introduction by Alan Moore at the beginning, kind of, na- I mean, of course he would nail it because he's Alan Moore and he can, mm-hmm. he probably n- nails everything he writes, but uh, Harvey B. Carr is just a matter-of-fact guy. Am I right? Is, <laughs> you see this fist pump Jonesy just <laughs> Put his iPad down to fist pump <laughs> himself. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, uh, he he opens, and I, I'll be honest. I had all I knew about this book was that it was written by Harvey Picar, so I didn't know yeah. if this was American Splendor or what. I just know that Top Shelf just released this, and the first like thirty pages are literally the history of Cleveland, as Harvey Picar tells it. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's definitely factual information in it, and it's just like broken down panel by panel with like you'll have. Uh, you know, a panel of a point of view where the Indians are meeting with settlers and hammering out a deal to mm-hmm. finalize Cleveland. <laughs> like, it's that It's that matter of fact. I mean, there's nothing more to it. And it, from what it sounds like, Harvey Picard, that's his style of writing. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's not to, uh, you know, pander to, because it's our book club, but that's the kind of writing I could probably get behind. Like, if American Splendor is exactly like this, it's it's just matter of the fact and it's simple and but that's the beauty of it. Joseph Remnant on pencils. Can I just say that his work in his book was stunning, amazing. Oh, I will I will back you up on that. Absolutely. It's like every panel was a masterpiece. What he can do with facial expression within the art style he uses, I thought was brilliant because mm-hmm. it's not really a photorealistic art. So, I mean, you would figure photorealistic facial expression is kind of telling the whole story for you. But even, like, he does panels where, like, Harvey will turn around and look somebody passing by. And it's not very flattering for Harvey. He's got, like, a scowl on his face or he doesn't look very attractive. Mm -hmm. But those panels, I think, just pop right off the page and really accentuate what Harvey's telling during the story. Uh, One other thing I, I did or what I like best about this book, and I don't want to lose the thought why I have it, was his whole deconstruction of his second marriage. Like, I I read it twice. I I skipped back to the pages on the iPad and read it again because it was so honest. 
was that the year where she was trying to be a, where she was trying to be like a professor yeah. and a writer and it kind of it, it doesn't exactly portray him in a, in a negative light but he's so honest in his storytelling he's like you know i was doing like he didn't say this line but you know he he, he shows you how he wasn't the best husband uh you know he's he tells you how the marriage slipped away uh he never says one uncomplimentary thing about her but uh, there's kind of like a little twist in the knife where he gives you like the epilogue of what her life is. Yeah. And he went to teach at a, a women's college. And I guess it was, you know, East Coast enough, even though she couldn't get that professorship. And he's like, you know, I checked in on her later in life and she had just married, become a housewife. Right. And then, uh, you know, her her daughter introduced herself to him. And he was like, it was like one of the weirdest things I've ever been to. That was so weird how he described that panel, even how it was written, because I imagine it was drawn the same way. Like she probably introduced herself, and he probably said one word mm-hmm. and walked, and they just walked away. Yeah. The Great. um, the the one panel I screenshotted, and I wanted to tweet, but I I always make fun of each other for tweeting about a book that you know we didn't talk about yet. But the um, when he's walking with her, and he says like, if she dumped me right now, I would still think it was worth it. Like he was so happy early on in the relationship where he almost didn't expect it to last, but he was enjoying it so much and that he felt lucky that, you know, he he got as far as he did with the relationship. Yeah, and I also like where he doesn't tell you, but he shows you that he kind of learned a lot of life's lessons through the marriage. Because later on in Act 3, um, he's like, you know, now I find myself doing a lot of yard work, and not because I want to, but my wife likes it. So you kind of see, but you don't see that maturity that he's kind of grown out of that selfish, selfish phase that yeah. he was in that second marriage. I mean, just, I I don't want to be, I'm probably the first person to say this, and I, and I don't want to seem like I'm pandering either, but what a beautiful writer-artist that we've lost. I mean, th- this guy is just incredible, and I can't believe it took me so long to discover his stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Cleveland's going to be one of those books where I'm going to read this, perennially like it's just so well written and so well done and and it touches you like an emotional place like especially you know we're all here married and fathers and like it feels like this could be your life that he tells about it, it's great it was interesting like his va job where he 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 like set he kind of alluded to it not being great but it was great for him and that he had no yeah. desire to stop for his second wife yeah I thought that was pretty interesting. And the line at the end where he's like, you know, I don't understand why this generation is, you know, all hopes and dreams. I found a civil service job and I worked it my whole life and I was happy. Yeah. Like you don't hear people say that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mark Farrington. There were no superheroes in this book. But it wasn't about the occult, so. True. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And I'm from Cleveland. So, are you another yeah. mystery yeah. unraveled? Oh, write it down. Nobody, Nobody knew knows. this. Nobody Nobody's knew. happening live. <laughs> Good old. I was out of uh, Willoughby Hills, right outside Cleveland. I wish you would live tweet your origin one day. It'd <laughs> be a long tweet. Um, I was conflicted with this book. To give the short answer, I don't want to say I didn't like it. I mean, he poured his heart and soul into it, and I got nothing to say about the art. I can't crack on the art. But I think, for me personally, starting with the history of Cleveland took me out of it. And so it, there was a chore at times for me to go through it. Um, can't hate on it. It was well-written. It was well-researched. It was thoughtful. And I think this would be great in a history class or something for fifth graders. Hey, read this mm-hmm. in history. There will be a test on it. And that way it's a fun way that they can learn the facts. All I could think of when I was reading it was – this could do what Schoolhouse Rock did for us. It will teach you in a way you don't even realize you're learning. But that being said, there were times when I just had to force myself through the history of Cleveland and got to his life. When I got there, it picked back up again. Mm-hmm. And I like to set it down for a week, go back and try it out again, and skipping the Cleveland part. Because like you guys said, he put his heart and soul into that, and it was good. I think I I can definitely see your point of view and why and while other why others folks might think the same way because it's very matter of fact it's very on the nose it's when the book is titled Cleveland it's about Cleveland like it's like reading the Wikipedia 
of the you know the ecosystem and populace of Cleveland. Exactly. Um, you can tell that he has a relationship with the city that probably means a lot to him. Whether you know you don't really understand if he likes the city or if he's he's connected with the city somehow. He he doesn't paint the city in the best of lights at times, and he doesn't have a great outlook on the city. And he says, you know, this is like you're like. You know, if you were sitting around at the bar or, he, you know, you were having like a guy's night and you started getting into local politics, this is the kind of stuff that he would start chiming, you know, a guy would start chiming in about. You know, he's not a politician, but this is what his recommendation, this is what you need to fix Cleveland. This is what you need to fix the city and the, until the count, city council believes that or starts putting those words into actions. Like it's very much that, especially the first half of the book before he starts getting into his life. You know what also kind of, as you say that, it kind of makes me think about people always tell the story in fiction or in or comics or novels about the person who is, you know, a dreamer who, ha- you know, looks to the West and travels and sees the world mm-hmm. and wants to be adventurous. And this might be the only story I know about the guy who stayed at home, made something for himself at home in the local environment and just lived a good life like where it, where else are you going to see a story like you know what i mean i mean this guy kept his civil service job at the va hospital for all years, his decades. life while writing american splendor the comic mm-hmm. and i mean th- it's just like you know this guy gets respect in the writing communities and stuff like that in the comic communities <laughs> but i mean why haven't like we should try to educate ourselves more on Harvey P. Carr and read American Splendor because, I mean, this guy, maybe that's why, because he stayed in Cleveland. He's not in the limelight as much as other people. Or Did you, anyone else love his plug at the end of the book where he's like, I'm in the phone book. I love oh, when yeah. people come stop mm-hmm. by and give me praise. Yeah, like, it was pretty great. Harvey had this gift, and I guess it was a credit to his writing talent that, he was able to describe the city of Cleveland like a living organism without gushing about it. You could definitely tell it was written with the passion of somebody who lived there before. Uh, I think it was so well put together. Art was fantastic. And you can't not read this and not see Harvey's talent. I want to read American Splendor because this was so personal that I don't think I got a shot or a real... A testament to Harvey's writing ability for fiction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the a lot of the stuff in the beginning with the um, like how he just never heard about his relatives during the Second World War. Oh yeah, that was and then brutal. how like it just the information about his relatives got, just got cut off, and then he learned about the Holocaust in school. Yeah, um, he's had, he had a lot of Polish relatives. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, the there was a couple scenes where he talked about like uh, racism and its effect on like how he kind of pieced it together himself in some areas. And there was one part which I thought was interesting, the uh, where he's on his porch and he says, I used to spend a lot of time on my front porch watching other kids play. They wouldn't accept me. I believe my mother when she told me what hell black people went through just to survive. But did that mean I had to be ostracized? I guess it did. So that was like he it was almost his learning of what they went through was how they almost felt obligated to treat him like it was like how they're yeah how they felt about it yeah and so he kind of learned that way which i thought was interesting because he didn't have anything to do with it he's just a product of uh right but he kind of going got, but he kind of got it too yeah, like yeah he understood he understood it um but i thought i thought the book was fantastic i thought it was great that you know the struggles like that and stuff he was able to surmise some some summarize in two three panels i mean and he was major points in his life that he remembers you know about the racism about the second world war um it was just the powerful scenes of the of the art combined with his blurb um like on he, the panel. He, could, he could explain emotions in like one or two sentences or in yeah. like all in one encapsulated in one panel and you got it yeah like his his explanation on how his then wife stopped asking him to go to some of the classes uh, or some of the writing lectures yeah, because she felt um, like he sort of thought that they got to a point where he felt maybe beneath her in terms of uh, professional status 
um, just saw, you know, you just you understood what he was trying to convey in he could do it in one sentence. Or uh, in that same page of the line where he's like, she would go out all day and refuse to tell me where she'd been. Like, kind of like you knew kind of something else was going on in that marriage, but mm-hmm. he told you no details, but in that one line, you got it. Mm-hmm. It was so cool how every once in a while there would be a panel, too, where, like, even from the very beginning, he's just walking the streets of Cleveland. So it's almost like you can picture a camera following him around while he's telling his life story, and then they cut to the cut scenes with the history of Cleveland, stuff like that. But every once in a while, he'd, you know, they'd see, you'd see Harvey at a crosswalk waiting to cross a street, and he'd, like, say something in an actual word balloon as opposed yeah. to, like, a, the t- description at the top of the panel or something. Mm-hmm. Almost like, like following him the whole like time. Like you were watching a documentary. Yeah, but yeah. Graphic novel form. I wanted to be all humble braggy too because I actually I saw the uh, the episode of No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain, so I was going to bring that up and stuff because it was, he was really <laughs> deep into Cleveland, but it's in the book anyway, so I was just like, whatever. What I'd, time frame was that? When did like, that was? Maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine. For some reason, when I was reading it, it made it seem like it happened years and years and years ago. I don't know. It why. seemed like that, yeah, but it was it was like oh eight, maybe oh hmm. nine. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to okay. seek out uh, our cancer year or our cancer years. Yeah, from his uh, I believe third it, our wife. year of cancer. I think okay. it was called. Is that in the app? Some American Splendor stuff is in there, but I because I checked right after I read this. I think it, you know, coming from like just th- talking about Infernal Man thing, I think Cleveland being the opposite of the spectrum, or if if uh, American Splendor is exactly like that. It's, it'd probably be just a, a refreshing read for me because it's if it's just going to be so as ma- a matter of fact as this and, you know, a, a crotchety old Archie Bunker. I picture, I don't know anything about the book, but from what it's described as, you know, it's just situations like this where, where he can complain about life situations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like books like this and like stuff by Jeff Lemire and, and creators like that, like Essex County, and it like just reminds you what the medium's capable of. You know, it doesn't all have to be capes or it doesn't all have to be nowhere or detective stories or pulp. Like, there is another side to the comic book industry that's more artistic without Mm -hmm. beating you over the head with it. Right. And I think, you know, comics as a medium might be the most refreshing way to get those kind of stories told. Because everybody can go on Netflix and watch a documentary about Cleveland, you know, if they're looking to fall asleep on a Thursday night. But to have it in your hands and read it and be invested in the reading, you know, it mm-hmm. just shows you in a different way. And like I said, it just reminds you what the medium of comic books is able to tell. And how, it's hard. Like, I don't even remember what made me want to read this. Um, but it's hard to find out about stuff. Like, if, unless it's like some like ro- random Robot 6 article where it's like, one of the writers is reading, like, what are yeah. you reading? And they mention this book. Like, how do you find out if you're, I mean, you're like us, we grew up on comics, but you tell we me. didn't, we didn't grow up out. on Harvey Picard for some reason. Right. And it was never, you know, it's not, it's not a feature in the comic shops. It's, to, and it's certainly not bringing people in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. It's like word of mouth, accidental word of mouth. Yeah. That's it. And it's, it's almost weird because, uh, you know, even when, we, if we tell other people, we're telling other people right now to read it. But I know Slim is a victim of it, I, and I'm certainly a victim of it. As soon as somebody else on Robot 6 writes about how it's such a great book, I'm more less inclined to read about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you. Ha- I don't know if it has to come from a connection that, like from a personal friend or somebody that you just trust. But, you know, if, uh, you know, Entertainment Weekly does it, top five graphic novels, and Harvey Picard's Cleveland is on there. It's not going to make me want to read it oh, anymore. Yeah. Top five lists don't make me want to read anything. Yeah, it's just like I'm, I, you know, you're, and it's pr- they're probably in, in a way true, but it's not, it's not going to push me to read it any faster mm-hmm. than than Matt telling me or Mark telling me. No, I think a book like this, there's only two ways that me personally, I'm going to read it. One is if something happens to the author. And so many respected comic people in the industry say, oh, I remember when I read this and that mm-hmm. and it influenced me or two in the LCS. If I hear people talking about it, buzzing about it, it keeps selling out. And my shop attendant is telling me, hey, yo, check that out. So in short, you need to die for Mark to read your comic book. Rest in peace. Yeah. Or get some buzz. Rest in peace. Paper cake. Michael's death. Hey, I liked it. Uh, Cleveland, nine ninety nine at the comic book shop uh, digital store. That's right. Check it out. 
thecomicbookshop.com. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You know, we occasionally get letters. You know, shoot us a letter. God bless. Tell us what you think. God bless. And uh, if there's enough time, we'll read it on the show. No guarantees. We Keep it you. short. We still love you. Uh, Mark Farrington, our studious letter reader, every week, if he's available, we'll read the letters. We got one from somebody we ain't heard from in a minute, Nikki Bonds. Whoa. Nikki what? Bonds. Wow. You remember that guy? Yeah, he wanted us to curse more. And then I told him, ah, papi. That's what I said. Which is appropriate because he uh, manages to try to sneak an F-bomb into his letter. (laughs) Nice. It says, I was apprehensive about switching to digital, but I effing love it. (laughs) I hear you talking about buying digital through the comic book shop. So my question is, does that benefit the shop in any way? Because I buy straight through Comixology, but if buying through the comic shop helps them, I will purchase that way instead. Yes. Benefits the comic book shop. More so than you just buying for Comixology. We don't know the formula, but I'm assuming they get a little bit off the top yeah. of the purchase. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I buy all my books from the comic book shop in Delaware digital store. Yeah. The uh, now you just it's it's actually really easy. You just go to their website comicbookshop.com and go to their digital storefront, and you know you just put in your Comixology credentials like you would if you went to comicsology.com and uh, and just buy all your books that way, and and somehow. It filters down. They get, they get something out of the deal, which is mm-hmm. cool because they're official show sponsor. Some sort of super technology. Some kind of super fantasy technology. If you live, if you live close to the shop, uh, recommend making the trek. Absolutely, they're amazing. They got a great shop. They're one of the good ones. Come out and talk to them on uh, the Paper Cake Tweet Up. Word on the street is they're going to be there. July. Get some hugs. Right. July twentieth. Do they have to Friday. stay at my house too? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. You could stay. Make it sound like (laughs) such a burden. Obviously, (laughs) buy through the comic book shop. Help out some cool people. Yeah. Next one, longtime listener Don Garvey. San Diego questions. He's asking. I'm wondering how do you guys feel about complaints that major cons are more about movies and other stuff rather than comics? Do you think the accusation is even accurate? Uh, Yeah. In a fireside a couple weeks ago, uh, I can't remember which episode. I talked about uh, how bogus Wizard World Philly was, uh, how it was all about celebrity autographs that were terribly outpriced. There was like three good artists in Artist Alley. Uh, not good artists, that's that's generalizing. I mean three well-known artists that would draw comic book fans there. And uh, it was, I was, I've never been so disappointed in Wizard World Philly this year. Wizard World is well on their way to becoming just a sideshow of D-rate celebrities. But hey, if you want a Jason Priestley autograph, check him out. Yeah, it's it's he's a, very small in real life. Just like you know, it's probably a shame that uh, now San Diego's, I believe, current still currently, it's there's a room for everything at San Diego. But uh, I guess it all started with a comic convention. But in that world of geekdom, or you know, kind of you know, comic folks are going to be interested in comic book movies and pop culture kind of junk. So it probably all stemmed, from, I assume it stemmed from there, but uh, pop culture, movies and TV, I mean, they it probably has a staying power and they have budgets to just blow your mind. There's there's other good cons out there that aren't popified yet. Baltimore Absolutely. is one of them. I want to go to that so bad. That might be the only one I go to next year. What about like, C2E2? Ooh, C2E2. Chicago? Emerald so you're, you're saying here live on the show right now, you're not going to near Comic Con. Is that what this you're year? saying? That's, is that what you're saying I, right now? I think the baby's coming that weekend. I'm not going to abandon my child. What's the uh, baby? Oh, look out. Look well, out. He's throwing the baby card first, everybody. Oh, boy. <laughs> Easy get way rid of, Get rid of that prego card. Expected due date is October 23rd, but it could swing 10 days in either direction. It's Dr. T and the women over here. <laughs> I'm the baby whisperer, Dale. Oh, God bless. Uh, <laughs> San Diego Comic-Con, I'll be there next week. Son of a bee. You want to yeah, talk about going. out of hand Comic Cons? He's uh, skipping my thirtieth birthday to get an SDCC. Yeah, and you'll be thirty-one next year. It's for work, quote unquote. Maybe yeah, you survive. Slim is gonna be dead in San Diego, <laughs> in the Gaslight District. He's gonna throw his ring into the street. I want if my body cannot be found, just 
bury my flyer's hat in a coffin. You You're going to bring buddy. your flyer's hat with you, aren't you? I'm going to bring my, bring my flyer's hat. I don't know about my fryer's hat. I'll get you your fryer's hat. <laughs> He'll probably get high-sticked by some Sharks fan out there or something. Uh, that's right. Actually, there's San Jose. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Uh, Mark see, see how much I know. <laughs> Did we get uh, any older letters that we skipped last week? You know, we got one from Craig and Philly. Let's hear it. All right. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's All do right. it then. This is the what segment. Are we, what are we on a podcast? Hey guys, I've been oh. starting to listen to more podcasts instead of satellite radio during my forty-five minute commute to work every oh, day. God, God bless. Help us. Help us. Howard Stern only comes on three days a week now, and it seems like all he talks about now is America's Got Talent, which I could care less about. When he's not taking weeks off for it, all right. In addition to Paper Cake, I've been listening to podcasts from friends of the show, including Ancillary Characters. And Radio Free Echo Rift. For non-comic-centric podcasts, I've been listening to The Nerdist and Uh Yeah Dude. Can you guys give me some suggestions to other entertaining podcasts that you listen to? P.S. Jonesy was off the hook on the Ancillary Characters podcast a few weeks back. Comedy oh Gold. If he's able to save his good material for Paper Keg, I think I'm going to have a new favorite host. Mm. Oh my gosh. Please don't jeopardize good my material. Paper Cake Underdog. So... <laughs> It's only a matter of weeks before you go sell on your I think own podcast. Part, I think it? that's part of the drinking game. When Jonesy mentions that he's an underdog in anything, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that means you have to drink. I could just picture Jonesy like with no mic on, just screaming at his laptop screen because the microphone's built into the laptop screen. <laughs> uh, that was pretty close, Dale. Pretty close. <laughs> what uh, What do you listen to, Dale, when you're not listening to the serious XM? FM radio. Uh, well, I'll bring up some uh, good favorites. It's it's tough, Craig and Philly. I completely understand. I like the uh, the My Brother, My Brother and Me. That's a funny one. It's from um, the McElroy brothers, right? Yeah, the uh, the two of them write for Polygon dot com. Is that up yet? I think they're still at the Verge. The, yeah, that's Verge Verge dot com slash gaming. But um, yeah, it's a uh, they call it an advice show. You can uh, write in with with. Advice questions, and it's it's a comedy podcast, but it's really good. I I recommend giving it a shot, even though about a year ago they joined a a network and they they have commercials and ask for money now. Oh god, um, sellouts. Writing for Polygon doesn't pay the bills anymore. Guess not. Being managing Man, editor, sh- sh- terrible. Um, and I don't know the uh, the besties. Speaking of the McElroy brothers, I gave that one a shot. That's the Polygon official gaming podcast. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's a little. It's got a weird thin. format. Like they have a they, what's the format? Each one they have a sheriff for each episode. What's the story about? Like that? a judge, a constable, and they bring their best games of the week, and then out of the three best games, the winner of that will go up against the previous the the winning the show, the game that's been winning so far or something like that. But mm. it's just a different take on a it's video an game podcast. Interesting format. And uh, stuff you missed in history class number oh, one. Oh yeah, that's I mean, one of my favorites. You gotta listen to that one. I would say my two picks for must listen must listen to are um, how did this get made, which is Paul Shear, uh, Jason Manzukis, and uh, Judai and Raphael talking about movies that are bad. Speaking of that, I actually listened to my first episode this week, but the Judge Dredd episode. Yeah, and the dude, the one dude who's in the league doing the cocaine, Jason Manzukis, he's like he's amazing. like over the top. Like you, I think that's just he, his personality. He's he just like shoving the comedy down your ears so no, hard. That I will say that you have to listen to a few more. Okay, the I always go back to the Vanilla Ice. Uh, oh, what a the great movie episode. episode! That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. The episode is about Vanilla Ice. What's the movie uh, that he was in? Cold as ice, cool as ice, cool as ice. And uh, there, there's he has one joke in that episode that literally made me fall over laughing. I'll give it. I think he's my he's my favorite host of that show. I agree. I'll give it another shot. He just seems like he's just trying. He'll he will make you effing laugh, and he will just nonsense. He's like a Gatling gun of comedy. Dale doesn't like what people are in his face. He doesn't like when people try to make him laugh. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. (laughs) I'm gonna plug a Insta Flicka. Another group. Another good group of guys. I listen to their show every week. Uh, They give you the best and worst of Netflix, and uh, they got I got like minded opinions with them, so I like hearing them talk. They're good guys. Uh, My turn. Oh, here we go. Uh, Let's go down my little order here list. I won't mention the usuals, obviously, ancillary podcasts. You know, everyone knows about them. Yeah, already. Echo Rift. That's part of the email. Uh, The talk show, an acquired taste. You know, I'm into the tech news. Yeah. Not sure if you're aware. Apple. Oh, that's uh, Grober. 
Grober the, the Muppet. I'm going to shut your mic off right Grober now. the Muppet. That's <laughs> uh, a guy who writes for a tech website. I listen to The Verge occasionally because yeah. I have this weird thing with one of the hosts' voice. It just irritates me and I skip episodes. I'm one of those guys that skip episodes if I'm not in the mood. I'm the same way with the Nerdist um, and What the F. Was yeah, Mark, Mark what, Maron, yeah. What the F pod I skip depending on the guest. Loikamania. Oh, yeah. You heard of this guy? No. He's the, ver- he's the, he's the verb that we coin in the show, Loikud. Yeah. You know, when you double, you triple dip? When you buy it in print, then in digital, then in print again. That's correct. He uh, does an interview. He'll interview some uh, famous celebrity comic creators. Um, that's it. I get annoyed at podcasts very easily it's because tough. I pick out quirks of hosts that say um a lot or I just pick out quirks and I just delete it from my iPhone and then I'll add it like a month later. Or if you don't like them in real life and then you don't answer yeah. their phone calls or, or whatever. Yeah, pretty much you. See, I'm like you. I get annoyed with them so quick. I'd rather not listen to anything. I'll it's, do music. It's tough to n- stay not annoyed with people. I, mean, I agree. I, I can only listen agree. to the new Linkin Park so many times. I mean, have we oh, all listened to boy, it? Oh, boy, my God. It, it, what is this, Opposite Day? Linkin Park, Paramore, that's what I've been listening to the past two days. I did just Gang. try a, a try a new uh, podcast, too, the uh, Game Club, it's called. And they basically take a, a video game, a random video game, like we do for our book club segment, and it's just a whole round table about the one game. So it's not a like... Game Club, huh? Yeah, yeah. I could get with that. And it's uh, it's cool. Um, maybe some audio issues with uh, some Skypeage. But oh, uh, you decided it, heaven. Forget it. Oh, you know what I just started But listening? it's really not bad. They, uh, I'm going to interrupt you because I don't want to hear what you're saying. Here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. You heard about this? Is this a real thing? Yeah, is it, did hosts, somebody just tape his rantings? And he hosts uh, a radio show in, a, in an actual studio, and the last guest he had was David Letterman. Really? I heard about that, actually. I Twittered I, what about What is this it. called? Yeah, yeah. It's called Here's the Thing. So the last episode that I listened to was Alec Baldwin talking to David Letterman for 20 minutes. Fantastic. Hmm. Why would you not want to listen to that? And what's it called? I'm not going to repeat it again. Help me. I just said it like three times. You did. Help me. You can listen on the Get playback tomorrow. Help. Uh, Greg any Fitzsimmons. more letters? Oh. Greg Fitzsimmons is another one too. I like it's good. He had uh, he has good interviews. You know, what I listen, used to listen to was uh, what's that Earwolf podcast? It's got a TV show now on like comedy, com- bang, comedy bang, bang, bang comedy bang bang. I used to listen to that. I liked the beginning, but then when they started doing bit characters with that Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, yeah, I hate Paul. Shut it down. I don't it, get what, Paul F. Tompkins. There was an episode of Doug Loves Movies where. He pretended to be three different people, and he would just do them talking to each other on a mic. And I literally threw my iPhone out of my office. <laughs> I opened my door, and I chucked it. Set a, set a trailer on fire? Yeah. So I had to. Uh, do we have time for one more letter, Mark? Or we you ramble? tell me. Do we have time? Yeah, let's do one more of the ones that we didn't do last week, and we can what save if, them for next week. What if I told you that last one was from J-Man? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Read it anyway. All right. Here we go. Dear Paper Keg, in the movie Demolition Man... All restaurants were Taco Bell after they won the franchise wars. If there was a comic war in Demolition Man, which publisher would win to become the sole comic company for this future Stallone world? Image. (laughs) And if this company wouldn't be your personal choice, which publisher would you like to be the sole comic book publisher? What a question. Can we just just talk about Demolition Man for a minute? I just got an email from Voodoo. (laughs) (laughs) I just got an email from Voodoo. uh, and they wanted me to link to the ultraviolet scam. I already know what you're going to say. I, I I got Demolition Man on SD streaming. I own it now. Boom. Lucky. I thought that that's you, wait you bought so they give you the oh I thought it was just renting stuff. I thought it was a free rental. No, it's mine. Oh. Wow. Lucky. It's on Netflix. I don't you can watch care. Whatever you want. I don't care. I don't that, that whole scam. I signed up for that same thing, and I'm like, oh man, I wonder what kind of great new releases I'm going to get here. It's all garbage. It's like uh, it's, it's, all, it's terrible. <laughs> Demolition Man was the best one. It's all movies that are for free on Netflix or Hulu Plus, <laughs> or it's like the dregs. It's like the ninety nine cent bin at Walmart. Yeah. If there is such a thing. All right, I'm sorry, J Man. <laughs> we got some eye sidetracked. It's all here. Jonesy says image. Yeah, image is what you think would win, or what you'd want to win. What I want to win, probably Marvel would win. I think so too. Oh my god. <laughs> Mark, what would what do you think? Marvel would win. I'd want DC pre New Fifty Two to win. It's not coming back it's ever, Mark, buddy. One day, ever Just they ended Heroes Reborn. All right, it's coming back. Just let it go, man. Dale underscore A. Yeah, I'd go Marvel too, based on the context that like Taco Bell 
was it was prominent at the time of the fast food wars obviously you know they got the they had the backing marvel would probably be the the big deal i'd, I'd and i'd want marvel to win let's be honest i would also i'd take associate bob and we'd go to the comic book store and read marvel books <laughs> i'd love uh marvel to win also thank you you so. know and uh, they're going to win and i want them to win so i'm just going with the tried and true marvel yeah I'm not trying to get a job it. or anything, Marvel. Just love it. Love it all. Edgar Friendly trying to steal comic books. I have so we got a it's an hour and I got some stuff to talk about in the in the okay, fireside. Let's go so then. we let's fireside it. Um the segment that Dale underscore A created. Congratulations to you for making that segment. Such a hit now. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um if you dig the show, shoot us a rating on iTunes if you're free. You know, I'm not oh. telling you to, I'm not I'm not begging. Just do it if you're bored. We love those reviews. Thank you, guys. July 20th. Can you handle it? Barcade. Be there. If you review us on iTunes at the bar, I will buy you a beer. <sighs> not buying. I'm not buying reviews. I'm buying beer. Uh, we'll see everybody. Whatever we'll makes you sleep at night. We'll see everybody next week. What an abomination. Romulus. What about 309? That's not even out yet, is it? <laughs> Who knows what's happening with Marvel's schedule? Not out yet. Good luck in the fast food wars, Marvel. <laughs> so, I didn't read it. Tell me all about it. Romulus is back from the dimension that he was sent to by Wolverine. To do what? Did he reveal that he's really Saber Thor? No. Saber Thor? Uh, Cloak. <laughs> Another prediction. Cloak. Everyone loves Cloak. Everyone wants to read about Cloak in a Wolverine book. Uh, Dagger's missing. Kidnapped by... Who? Sabretooth. He's back, allegedly. Didn't we just read about... I thought you said Romulus was back. Uh, So he goes to Sabretooth's grave. He's like, I don't believe this. Kid. Kid. Go to Sabretooth's grave before he rescued Dagger. (laughs) So he opens up the grave. Sabretooth is there decapitated still. Wolverine buried Sabretooth and his head in the same coffin, evidently. So he's he's like uh, falling apart, the the corpse. Um, Guess who kidnapped Dagger? Romulus. Romulus. He's back. I don't even know who Romulus is right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter I was, on I any level. I slept better Actually, knowing. You know what? I'm sorry. Sabretooth kidnapped Dagger and forced Cloak to get Romulus out of this negative zone, trademarked DC, which is in the Marvel Universe, too. Right, right now, I want, I'm want. i going to give you a description of who Romulus is, and I want you to decide if I'm making it up or not. Okay? Okay. A character who looks suspiciously like Wolverine, has been there from the beginning, pulling the uh, strings like a puppet master, and may or may not be responsible for Dakin and his old life as well. True or false? He also has claws coming out of his uh, finger holes. That's fake claws. And he looks like Wolverine and Sabretooth, but he's like three feet taller and weighs 100 pounds more and is ripped. You guys are lying. And he's uh, he's got bangs. He's got Asian bangs coming down from his head. Get out of here, Asian bangs. I swear bangs. to God, that's true. He just pooped on Mark's couch. That, everything we just said was true. <laughs> this uh, is all the Jeff Loeb creation. So I was so excited. Colin Bunn, yeah. you know, right in Wolverine, retconning some memories. Jeff Loeb waltzes in here with Simone Bianchi. And hey, Romulus is back. Who gives a crap? Oh my Get out of here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> with this, It's so awful. Uh, this makes me never want to read a uh, Jeff Loeb comic ever again. This makes me never want to read a Wolverine solo uh, you know, comic I bl- again. I'm fine with that because you deserve better. Uh, thank you. You deserve better. Go read BKV's Logan miniseries. I'll go read oh, Wolverine and the good. X-Men. Jason Aaron can yeah, take care of it. last issue wasn't that great, but... Yeah, we'll overlook that. You know that. what else I want to talk about? That Kevin Nolan interview? Not the Trump. I just found his talk fascinating about Klaus Janssen. Oh, and was, oh man. That was so great. And I finished. It, it answers my question of why I see his work 
so like like why I can pick it out Cause because he's pretty he's, much doing finishes. Yeah, he's pretty much doing a lot more than you would think. And that's why I like Jr. Jr.'s Avengers run more than Avengers versus X Men because he's finishing. J- he's like finishing his art. He was finishing Jr. Jr. off. <laughs> and you know what the rumor is? That duo is doing the Captain America reboot for what? Marvel now. Change really? Your pan- change your pants right now. Really? Uh, what duo? Jr. 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 And Klaus. Now I have poop J.R. and J.R. is uh, writing duties as I've well? <laughs> no, I don't know who's writing it. I have poop and waste from my front all area. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I think we should just end it there. <laughs> uh, if you can't figure out what that is, listener, that's oh my God. squealing into the microphone of laughter. <laughs> I've waste never seen him lose this. <laughs> Never seen him losing on the mic like this before. All right. What a show. Huh? Consummate professional. July 20th, the meetup will all be there. Good job. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, we'll see everybody next week. Love you. <laughs>